Good morning, my friends, and welcome to another moment. Yes, another Black History Moment with Bo. And I hope today turns out to be a great day for you. I hope your life is flowing in the direction for which you want it to go. And I must say, it has already started out as a great day for me because I am in front of this mic talking to you, trying to spread a little love and spread a little knowledge. And for that, I ask no reward. I have been retired over 10 years and you are the reason I get up every day. You are the reason that I research and I fact check and bring the knowledge that I gain to you with the hope that you spread it to your children and grandchildren because that's the only way the truth is going to be told about us and this is the only way that our generations to come will feel whole because if they read the Constitution it says that we are three-fifths human you see, their lies about us don't work anymore. We know who we are. We are descendants of people stretching back to the dawn of humanity. We have a rich cultures and language and traditions and histories. We don't need their respect or approval. So right about now, let's slip into darkness and bring out some of our truth. Enslavement was introduced into the colony of New Jersey in the 17th century, shortly after the Dutch first settled in the colony. And although there was a port in Camden, Pert Amboy was the major port of entry for trafficking enslaved persons in the state due to its close proximity to New York City. And from 1737, until 1800, the slave population went from just under 4,000 to well over 12,000, with the highest concentration of enslaved persons in Bergen, Monmouth, and Somerset counties, and many of those bodies entering New Jersey at Pert Amboy. And most of us arrived in New Jersey from the Caribbean, and there was fear of acquiring Africans from there because it was believed they were more prone to rebellion. But it didn't matter where they arrived from, African people in New Jersey asserted sovereignty over their bodies. My friends, we have always been at war over our dignity and self-respect, and we often resisted by running away or sabotaging our captors by destroying tools, crops, and animals. And some of us engaged in violent retribution against our captors, alone or in collaboration with captives like ourselves. The thing is, rebellion or insurrection of enslaved African is a phenomenon often attributed to the antebellum southern states, 
the Stono Rebellion, the German Coast Uprising, and the Rebellion of Southampton County, however, rebellion or insurrection happened in northern states as well. And most Africans arriving in New Jersey from the Caribbean held on to African traditions and customs. Those ways of knowing, along with adopted aspects of European culture, were used in ways that sometimes led to revolt or rebellion, which meant an action involving ten or more enslaved Africans with freedom as an apparent goal. Now, there wasn't a lot of documented revolts of enslaved people in New Jersey, not like the 1712 and the 1741 revolts in nearby New York City. There are examples that speak to the spirit of resistance among African people who were held captive. In 1734, a slave revolt was foiled in Somerset County when a slave told an Englishman that his countrymen were generally a pack of villains. Further investigation discovered that as many as 30 slaves were part of the conspiracy vowed to each. A second revolt in Somerset County occurred five years later in 1739, where an enslaved person in Rocky Hill was ordered by the overseer's wife to fetch wood and make a fire, and he replied in a sultry tone that he would make fire enough and pursued her with an axe. After killing the overseer's son and then setting fire to the barn, burning more than a thousand bushels of grain, the enslaved individual was captured and burned at the stake. In December of 1752, an enslaved African that remains unnamed to this day took matters into his own hands when offended by his captor, Jacob Van Ness who stole some of the enslaved man's tobacco. Van Ness was met with an axe at the hands of the slave man, nearly decapitating him with the blow. After Van Ness died, he was dragged a distance and buried in the brush. Now local whites believed the enslaved captive was at fault, but were fearful of arresting him because he was large and athletic and considered dangerous. Yet whiteness is always going to have a plan, and they jumped him when he was returning from fetching wood. His involvement was confirmed when he was forced to touch the slain man's head, causing, according to eyewitness reports, blood to run from the corpse's nose and ears. At the enslaved person's execution, newspaper accounts related that as the flames covered his body, the man shouted to the assembled black people, they have taken the root but left the branches. In West African societies, from which many enslaved Africans came, adults were taught to have a profound disdain for pain and to shed a single tear would be dishonorable. An enslaved woman, Sylvia DeBose, born in Sourland Mountain, New Jersey, was renowned for her strength, endurance, self-reliance, and fearlessness, making her a local celebrity. 
Now, she was known for fighting both men and women, and she inspired both awe and terror among her community, children in particular, fearing that she would, as she told them, kidnap them and swallow them whole. DuBose was a captive of Dominicus DuBose, a strict yet accommodating captor who was much more congenial to Sylvia than his wife, who beat Sylvia badly. It was due to the perceived sense of disrespect by Sylvia toward the lady of the house that she scarred Sylvia's body permanently from lashings with whips and sticks, then scarring the side of her head with a shovel. And the turning point of Sylvia's life and the root of the legend was the battle with Mrs. DuBose that led to her freedom. This battle Sylvia planned to have from childhood when her mistress captor began the beatings. One day Sylvia was told to scrub the floor, but when she failed to do so exactly as she was told, Sylvia was struck by Mrs. DuBose, to which Sylvia struck back. Sylvia landed what she remembered as a hell of a blow that knocked the mistress captor against the door and nearly killed her. This happened at a tavern around others who came to the defense of the mistress's captor. When they did, Sylvia welded her fists at the crowd, cowering the group by threatening to thrash each and every one of them as she did her captor's wife. Sylvia fled for her safety immediately after yet returned to her captor when summoned. Mena Dubose understood that the rift between Sylvia and his wife was too great for the endangerment to continue, and he granted Sylvia her freedom. Sylvia left the Duboses with her 18-month-old child to return home to reunite with her mother and maternal grandfather. To the surprise of some people, support for the institution of enslavement was stronger in New Jersey than in any other northern state. So strong was New Jersey's support for enslavement that as many as 400 black people remained in some form of enslavement after the end of the Civil War. New Jersey was the last northern state to end enslavement. Ratifying the 13th Amendment in 1866, after previously rejecting it, New Jersey was so anti-black that after ratifying the 14th Amendment, which provided black people with equal protection under the law as whites, the state rescinded ratification, only just re-ratifying it in 2003. It's no wonder New Jersey was considered the slave state of the North. My friends, a lot of people think that enslavement only happened in the South. But before the 13th Amendment was ratified, it also went on in some northern states. But nobody ever talks about that. So if the schools don't teach it, our children will never know that they were slaves in New York. 
And this, my friends, is why I am sitting right here this moment, this day, this month. Not just through Black History Month, but every day of every month. With a library of over 200 stories about our people at your disposal. So listen and learn. Because I am here for you. And that music, sweet as it may sound, reminds us that it is time for me to go. But before I go, I have a message for you. You know, my friends, I am completely entitled to opinions that are not supported by evidence. But the moment I spread that opinion as fact, I am a liar. And if I spread it as fact, knowing it is not supported by evidence, I am both a liar and a fraud. Have a great day. Peace to my ancestors and my elders. I walk in your strength, legacy, and power today and every day. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor.